every client is sharing you the story of their life and you have the honor and there is you're making sure that story has a better ending. So each client is telling, showing us their story. And we've got to get really interested that the page turns of this happened and that happened. But we have to make sure that every client has a much better ending that they would have had if they hadn't seen us. This episode is brought to you by The Travel Counselors, the only franchise travel company in the UAE. If you're inspired to start a business like many of the guests we have on the podcast, love to travel, and the thought of planning dream bucket list holidays lights you up, then this could be the opportunity for you. This flexible business allows you to work from home, onus, whilst travel counsellors provide the training, back office support, licensing, and access to industry-leading booking platform. If you're passionate about travel and have an entrepreneurial spirit, and interested in joining a company that put care at the heart of everything that they do, then click the links in the show notes below. Now let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. I'm Kelly Loomberg. I'm your podcast host today. I'm also a business mentor, personal brand strategist, and a former celebrity stylist. I'm here today to inspire a minimum of five people to take action, do something different, and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. I love all your messages that come through all the social media platforms to say that you've been inspired by something that you've heard from one of the guests or on a solo episode. It really makes my day to know if I've helped someone, but also makes my guest day uh, that they've had an impact on you too. So thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, please drop a review. It really means so much to me, to the guests, to more people that get to hear about this. It really does help to visibility. It helps attracting new guests and helps us be able to share more fabulous strategies in brand and business. So thank you so much. So welcome to a different episode today. In 2024, I wanted to open the podcast up to clients and followers on social media where I could help put the spotlight on their journey, things that they've learned or answer questions and really give a tangible feedback to people who are going through that personal brand journey that they're just starting now and don't know where to start. I'm a big believer in trying new things and you never know where they might lead to. So I'm excited to try this episode. So let's get into it. In today's episode, I'm super excited and that's because I have listened to Marissa Peers on so many other podcasts and she is a wealth of information, whether it's building a personal brand, whether it's growing a business, helping her therapist and really changing the lives of thousands of people using her rapid transformational therapy. She's got more than seven books And there's so much that she has learned that she openly shares today. So let's get into the episode. Welcome to the show, Marissa. It's great to have you and welcome to Dubai. Thank you. You are fairly new to the UAE. When did you get here? Uh, Seven weeks ago. Nice. Welcome. What made you move? Let's start with that. (laughs) So I've been living in America for five years and I loved America, but I think I was just ready for a change. My daughter's having a baby. I wanted to be nearer to the UK nearer to her she'll come up you know people just don't visit us in LA because it's a 12 hour flight whereas here it's six hours and people come for the weekend so we wanted to be nearer yeah which is still the UK but also we had a lot of interest in putting RTT into the school system here Ah. and so it just seemed a great thing to do 
Love it. So why don't we give everyone who's maybe not familiar a little bit of a backstory. So I'm very familiar with who you are. I've heard you on a number of different podcasts. And I thought maybe if you give people a little bit of a backdrop as to who you are and, and a little bit of your story. Yes, I've been a therapist my entire working life, all my, all my adult life, and I love it. And I never really planned to create my own method. But, you know, when you're a therapist and you're a good therapist, every time you really learn what works and doesn't work, and your teachers are always your clients. Of course, I had some very eminent teachers, but then I realized very quickly every client I saw was teaching me what worked, what had a massive impact, what, what really gave them a stunning turnaround. So I gradually collated all of that material. And then over time, although I was a little resistant to creating my own method, once I did, I was very glad I did. And so we've trained 17,000 people to be RTT therapists now. Wow. Quite a few of them over here in the Gulf. And it's amazing. Very good. So 30 years in the industry, and I think, you know, all the reading that I was doing, one of the most well-known leaders in the industry. And I think I probably wanted to bring that into a little bit of kind of personal branding. Mm -hmm. People know yeah. you. Have you consciously gone around creating your personal brand? I think so, because, you know, initially I had no intention of creating a method, but people would ring me and go, hey, you know, I heard about you and I'm in New Zealand or Sydney or I'm in Washington, D.C., but I just want someone that does your thing. And there was only me. And the more people would ring me up and say, have you got someone like you? The more I'd think, mm, I should really create my own school. And initially I called it the Recipeer Method, MPM. But then I thought, you know, that's actually the wrong name because people who become a therapist don't want to go, hey, I'm a Marissa Peer therapist because then it's my name and not theirs. And I just thought that didn't quite sound right, Marissa Peer therapist. So I changed it to RTT. People love NLP and CBT. And then it wasn't about me. It was much more about the technique because RTT is what I teach people to do mm -hmm. and they do it brilliantly and some of them incredibly well. So it doesn't need to be the Marissa Peer method. Although I do know we have Montessori and yeah. we, we do have <clears throat> names that are like um, Steiner. We have Montessori. Yeah. There are teaching methods named after the person. Yeah. But it seems quite arrogant to give it your name. Yeah. I think <laughs> a branding is better to have initials. Well, I think then when you've got sort of what I call that is your own unique personal mm. branded solution. Yeah. That's something that is yeah. yours that you can take everywhere. You can then leverage yeah. in a business. Because then you can train mm. other people through mm -hmm. your method yeah. and you can grow in that way as well. But ultimately, I always find then people still go back and they know it's you that's behind it. It's you that they want on the podcast. Mm. It's you that they want to kind of write the book and maybe take us back to you've got seven, six books, seven books? Seven. But you know, a lot of my RTT therapists and I've also written books have got their own TV programs. Yeah. So it isn't quite correct that everybody wants me because... Some of my the people I've trained are so good. They've been on the BBC, yeah. they've been on CNN, they've got their own podcast, they write for their, a newspaper every week. And some of them have written really books that have done very well. Yeah. So I think it's quite good that the RTT is separate from me yeah. because RTT is a method I teach people to do that they do very well. And then they are building their own yeah, personal brands yeah. within the method yeah, of exactly. doing it, which is uh, fantastic. So to step into the most recent book that you launched, can you tell everyone a little bit about what mm, that was about? Tell yourself a better lie. Yeah. Well, you know, I realized again very quickly, again, my clients taught me that too, that their greatest pain so often came from the lies they told themselves. You know, you could have a friend say you're boring or you could have an ex that says you're boring. You could have a boss that says you're not very good. And you can probably think, you know, my boss is having a bad day. My ex is just bitter. My best friend is just, I don't know what she's going through. So we can almost 
understand why other people are mean to us. We say they're having a bad day, something's gone wrong for them. But when we are mean to ourselves, the brain has no ability to reason what that is. It just thinks it must be true. And we all tell ourselves lies. Oh, I'm exhausted. I'm shattered. <laughs> I'm as fat as a house. This commute is going to be the death of me. My kids make me want to jump out of the window. We, we say these things all the time. And if you're prepared to tell yourself a lie, at least tell yourself a better one because the mind doesn't know and it really doesn't care if what you tell it is good or bad, useful or indeed useless, helpful or extremely hurtful. It all sinks in. Mm. On that front there, what has been, in your opinion, one of the best ways for people to kind of find out about your method and what it is that you do? Like, what's the best kind of marketing strategy in that? Well, I think it has to be social media. You mm -hmm. know, before it used to be print media. People say, well, I read about you in a magazine. I hypnotized a very famous writer to stop smoking. And that was on the front cover of a magazine. Yeah. And I think it was on Elm. And I got a lot of clients for that. And so it used to be being in magazines, being in newspapers, being on shows like Super Size, Super Skinny yeah, or Celebrity Fit Club. So, But now it's really social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, even TikTok. That, I think that's where people go now. Do you do all your own content or do you have I all do. the team? No, I yeah, do my do. own content. Yeah, yeah and do I you do. have a team that help you with the, the edits and the... And oh, it yeah. And... I'm very happy to come up with the ideas, but I need someone else to do the editing. You know, you can't do everything. Yeah. I think it's a really mis big mistake to be jack of all trades and master of none. Mm. You've got to find out what you're good at. When I say find out what you're good at, then really master that craft and be even better at it, then learn how to monetize it, but give everything else to somebody else. Yeah. Well, so I think people listening to this are maybe in similar positions in terms of like either mm. starting a business or they're in business and they're like, okay, social media is one of the things I need to do to build my brand yeah. and awareness. How do you do yours? Do you sit down and go, okay, once a month, I'm going to plan content? Is it that organized or do you sit every week and plan it out with a team? No, you know, it's not though, because I'm all over the world all the time. Yeah. Although I have a great, um, I have a great crew, a great media crew that film and edit. I'm not always there. So yeah. they might fly out to me and do a week's worth of filming and Brilliant. then release it. Um, I'm going back to London for a week in January, I'll do a lot of filming then. So it isn't every week and yeah. I don't really sit down and plan it. It very much depends what's going on in the world. So you know, there's always Christmas and there's New Year, then there's Valentine's Day, then there's Mother's Day, and then there's the summer and the stress about what you look. And then we have Halloween and Thanksgiving and then back to Christmas again. So I do a lot of seasonal stuff about why do we have sad? Why are we so stressed at Christmas? Mm. Why is um, Mother's Day so hard if you can't have a child? Why is Valentine's Day so, why do you think you're a failure just because you're not walking home with a bunch of flowers or bag with chocolates in it. And then I also look at what's going on in the world. So I mean, at the moment, we've got two wars going on in the world and people mm -hmm. have, you know, that overexposure to tragedy. And so I might talk about that, mm. how to cope in a world that feels really scary. I think you just have to look at what's going on and think, oh, that's an interesting topic. That's an interesting topic. Look at this person with all the money in the world and looks and and yet they've, they're depressed and maybe they've even ended their life. So I'll, I'll be looking at what's going on in the world and I may make a post about that if I think it's relevant and particularly helpful to the audience. It's all about can I help people yeah. or tuning in, can I help them in a really quick, rapid way? Is there a particular platform that you enjoy most? No, I don't think so. You know, I never wanted to do TikTok because I thought, you know, I'm just not the right age group for TikTok. <laughs> These people are like 22 and I was very resistant to TikTok. I yeah. said, no, 
you know, I'm that's not my age bracket. But actually, my team are very pushy about, no, you should at least try it. And now actually TikTok's been very good for us. Yeah, a few clients have said that as well in terms of just the exposure mm. and the algorithm and the reach of people. Yeah, and then somebody wrote to me and said, in my whole week, you're the only person who ever says anything nice to me. And that was somebody on Twitter said, you're the only person I tune into you every week just because I know you'll say something nice to me down the lens. I thought that was so sad, but also very nice that she's now depending on me. Do you Tell reply something nice. to all your comments? I used to reply to avidly to every single one, but you know, as you get close to a million viewers on each platform, it becomes impossible. <laughs> Much as I want to, I still it takes a long time just to go through them. So I look at something, I'm replying to that because that's really poignant or it really made an effort to say something. Yeah. But I reply to as many as I can. Yeah, because it's I think that's the piece then as you grow as a, yeah. a personality or as a mm. brand, but you still want to remain you do, Authentic. but it, it can take your hold. I mean, yeah. I used to sit, I won't get out of bed till I've finished out. And then my husband would say, wow, this is taking like hours of your day. <laughs> and then at night I'm trying to watch a movie and I'm still replying or I'm in the car and I'm replying. And so you have to do everything you can. But if it consumes your life, you have to pull back. Yeah, it's true. Well, what's the biggest myth that you've kind of come up in your industry that you'd maybe like to share and debunk? Biggest myth? You mean in the therapy industry? Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest myth that therapy takes a long time, it's very painful. You've got to keep going to see someone for weeks and weeks. And after all of that time, you might not even change, but you might just get, learn to live with the person you are. Yeah. And that's not the case. No, I don't know why anyone thought that was a great idea. Let's go to therapy every week for years. Yeah, I, I hear this. People do it for years. And then at the end of it, you haven't changed, but you've got to accept yourself. No one says, hey, I'm going to go to the dentist every week for years and talk about my wisdom tooth <laughs> and how much it... No one says, I'm going to go to the doctor every week and talk about, you know, I've got irritable bowel or terrible digestion or I get these headaches and I just want to discuss them. The thing is, therapy should take you out of pain. Every healing modality says, bring me your pain and let me fix it. A doctor, a dentist, a chiropractor. will say, turn up with a pain. Even a dermatologist will say, bring me your problem. Oh, yeah. you've got breakouts. I'm going to fix that. Nobody says, yeah, just come in for every Wednesday at three o'clock for the next year. And we're first going to build a relationship. And I do understand that. But let's build a relationship of mm. trust. And then I could fix you. But if my tooth fell out, I wouldn't say to the dentist, how can I trust you? I'd say, there's your certificate. I got a missing tooth. Please fix it. I wouldn't even ask him for his insurance or where, because I'd know, well, look, he's in this building. He's been a dentist for 10 years. My friend said he was amazing. Yeah. And so often trust comes from referrals. And I get it, why we think that's such a good thing. But I, the bit I don't get is why we should stay in pain for so long. Mm. And, and it's something that as you bring that up, it's so true. I mean, I've heard from friends that have said, oh, I've got to go and see my therapist and I've been seeing her three and a half years. And I'm like, is that what it's supposed to look like? And I the know. answer is, is, uh, is no. So can you talk a little bit about your apart from the fact that it's rapid and you want the results, how would someone go through that journey and, and, and what would it look like? Well, RTT is very different, very different to other methods because it does a couple of things all at the same time. So there are certain therapy methods where you go in and the therapist wants to find out what happens. If you said, oh, you know, I can never sleep or I can't ever leave food on my plate, every therapist knows that there's no baby in the world born unable to sleep and no baby is born unable to leave food. No one, baby is one saying, I don't like to be the focus of attention. 
or, you know, I bite my nails, I pull up my eyelashes, I pull out my hair because, first of all, the baby has no coordination. They couldn't possibly, they haven't got any teeth to bite their nails. So almost all of our problems are acquired. And a good therapist would go, well, clearly you acquired that. Let's find out how and why and where. And so that's what we do. But we add it to the other things. And some therapists that just go in and they, so say you've got a fear of mice, they might try to desensitize that fear and have you draw mice and talk about mice. So some therapists are very interested in finding out why, and some are very interested in just changing it. We do three things all at the same time, all in one session. A client comes in, and I call it putting on a different hat. So the first hat is you become a good detective. A good detective gathers information. They look at stuff. They kind of put things on the wall. They go, look at that. That was there, and that's the crime scene. That's the person and they gather information. And we do exactly the same. We become a good detective and we gather, when did this happen? What was it going to be? We do it all in hypnosis because if you say to someone, well, tell me why it is that you binge on chocolate. Why, why can't you? I don't know. If I knew I wouldn't be here, would I? <laughs> so the point is you do it in hypnosis because the subconscious mind always knows why you do what you do, why you're still doing it, and also how to stop it. So the conscious is the logical mind. The subconscious is emotional. In a battle between emo- emotion and logic, emotion always wins. So logic, mm. it's like saying to an alcoholic, now come on, just have a lovely cup of tea. They look at you like you're utterly insane because the logic is, well, I should have a nice cup of tea. That's warm and relaxing, but the emotion is, I need a drink. And I need a drink right now. And then I need another drink. And so you cannot fix emotional issues with logic. So we don't use logic. We use let's have a deeper emotion. So we put on the good detective hat and go back and find out when did this begin? So first you become an investigator. Then you become an interpreter and you interpret with the client. Oh, so you, your dad left when you were two. And that's clearly why, you know, it seems to be why you can't form loving relationships. But then you interrupt the belief because just because your dad left, and by the way, your dad was incredibly immature. I have a belief someone mature is going to bring me up, but often that's not the case. We often have parents who are so immature, they're learning as they go along. And then finally, after investigating, interpreting and interrupting, we become a coder and we install a totally different belief system. You can speak in public, you can find love, you can speed up your metabolic rate, you can have a phenomenal immune system, you can definitely pursue the career of your dreams. Mm -hmm. You can live without tension, headaches or irritable bowel or skin that erupts. Mm. So it's a fascinating job. And I find that if you're fascinated with people, the more fascinated you become, the more curious you become about what happened. And by the way, the word cure comes on the word curious. So I've always been curious with all my clients. I find the most challenging ones are the very best because they teach me every day. But if you can be fascinated and curious by human behavior, in that you begin to see, oh, and I always describe, I always say to little people I'm training, look, it's like every client is showing you the story of their life and you have the honor and the reason you're making sure that story has a better ending. So each client is telling, showing us their story and we've got to get really interested that the page turns of this happened and that happened. But we have to make sure that every client has a much better ending that they would have had if they hadn't seen us. And how long does that sort of process take? I mean, I know it would depend on sort of individuals, but... An RTT session is around about 90 minutes, an mm. hour and 50 minutes, an hour and a half. I like to spend 90 minutes because it means I can really go deep and I have enough time to do the work. But also, 
And I said, oh, sorry, another person's coming now. I want to have 10 minutes in. How are you? And what did that feel like? And that was amazing what you just did. And they go, yeah, that was incredible. I didn't know it came from that. And, you know, for instance, recently someone asked me to work with a girl whose father had left. He was very violent, actually. He'd knocked the mother down the stairs a few times and then left and he wasn't allowed to have access to her. And she said, you know, I can't find love because of him and what he did. And although I've got a boyfriend, I don't trust him. And when she came into this, it wasn't it was actually about the mother. The problem was that her mother exposed her to that over and over again. I didn't protect her. And it wasn't the father at all. It was the mother's relationship with her that had left her believing if my own mother can't protect me, I don't trust anyone to love me because my mum said she loved me, but lived with a violent man and always put him in front of me. So that was so interesting. That came up very, very quickly. So in about an hour and 50 minutes, that was all resolved. She's now married to that boyfriend and she's got two amazing children. She's a different person. So it takes about an hour and 50 minutes to do this whole sequence. And you can have, if you came up with something very simple, like nail biting, passing your driving test, fear of flying, that can be fixed in one session utterly easily. Because no one says, oh, I want to go on holiday. I'm going to buy a ticket there and have a complete meltdown and not go on the plane. That isn't logical. People want to be over that. So you can negotiate with the brain and say, I love flying. It's exciting and thrilling and liberating and freeing. For something more complicated, like an eating disorder or chronic anxiety Mm. or self-sabotage, between one to three sessions. But you're never going to come in every week for a year because it's so powerful and so effective that you just don't need that. So what if someone's listening to this going, wow, okay. I want to find out how I can actually do hmm. this as a, as as a, a business. Yeah, yeah how does that work? I mean, you know, I've always felt so immensely blessed and privileged that I was a therapist because I was a single parent. I sort of could never have children. So when I got pregnant, it was a bit of a shock, but a beautiful shock. <laughs> and I was a single parent pretty much for all of my daughter's childhood. And for me, it was such a blessing because as a therapist, as I start work at 10, I finish at three. I work Monday to Friday. I don't work weekends. I could always take my daughter to school, pick her up. When she was a baby, I could work totally around her being in nursery school or even sleeping. And I remember one day the school called and said she'd fallen off a climbing frame. I could cancel my clients and go straight to the emergency room where she was, jumping up and down quite happily, actually. But I could always have that joy of, I can cancel. I can take the day if my daughter's sick. I can cancel everything or reschedule. And there are very few careers, especially for women, where you can work your own hours, Mm -hmm. be your own boss. You never have to ask for time off and even set your own fee structure. And so it's a great career for women. But, you know, I recently worked with a guy who was a city trader and he came to me as a client and he said, you know, I'm just so depressed. I have no life. I mean, it's just a horrible job now. I get up at five, go to the city, trade all day, come home at nine. I don't have a life. And he said, I make a lot of money and I'm actually at the point where I don't care if I make a third of this money. So I need a life. And so he was thinking about becoming a school teacher, which sounded like a great idea. And he wanted me to hypnotize him to have the courage to walk away from this very wealthy lifestyle because the price he paid was just too high. Mm-hmm. But after the session, he said, I want to do what you do. This seems so much better for me. So he actually came on one of my courses. He became fully trained. And then he actually moved to the country, got a dog, got a girlfriend for the first time because he had time. You know, no one says, hey, let's have a relationship. But I'm gone at five, back at 10, and I'm asleep by 10.30. And at the weekends, I'm just just so tired. 
So he said, I got a job, got a girlfriend, got a house in the country. I have a life. I get up, I walk the dog, I come mm-hmm. home, I drink my coffee. Potter, and he said, but what is amazing is I was fully prepared to accept a lot less in salary, but I'm actually earning the same amount. In fact, a bit more because I, I'm in the city three times working with all these burnt out traders wow. and all these burnt out bankers. And so I'm their therapist. And then two days a week, I'm in the country working with bullied children and stressed out teenagers. And I loved that because that, I was thinking about for women how great it is. But, but for men, it's great. But also people who've got other commitments like older parents or older children or something where they cannot be committed to making their whole life their work. So it's great. It's, it's one of the few careers that gives you flexibility in the time you put in, flexibility mm. in what you earn. But the biggest thing by far is it feels so meaningful. You do something that has purpose and meaning every day. You think, wow, someone in the world is living a better life because of a skill I possess. And that's a wonderful thing. Some kid isn't being bullied. Some teenager's got over wanting to end their life. Someone who couldn't find love is married with two babies. Someone who couldn't progress is now in a job they love. Someone who said they've had irritable bowel for 20 years doesn't have it anymore. So that's the best thing that you do a job. You know, a great career should always give you nine things, meaning, purpose, connection, significance, growth, contribution, making a difference, certainty, and diversity. And it can be quite hard to find all of those nine things and have the, I can work my own hours, set my own fees. I can also go on holiday with my laptop and I can work from anywhere because you know, people used to think, well, therapy on the screen is not good. It's not the it's same not the as same. a real thing. Yeah. But that's changing a lot. I work with a lot of troubled teenagers, so I like it. You know, teenagers don't come to my office and go, here I am to talk about what's wrong with me again. But when you turn up in their bedroom on their screen, they, they prefer that. I work with a lot of police officers. I would never go to the police therapist, but I don't mind seeing you on the screen from my kitchen counter because I feel safer to talk about my issues. So. Yeah, I I think it's the best job in the world. I don't think I'll ever retire from it because although we think therapists give a lot and they do, you actually get so much back. How often do you still see clients then? Because it does get to that point where... Yeah, I don't see many clients. Anyway, you know, I, I teach, I'm a speaker, I'm writing another book. It is quite a time commitment. So I see a few clients a month and mm-hmm. I particular criteria for what, why I see them, but so many of my therapists are every bit as good as me that yeah. I can quite safely say, this is the person for you, or we got this person or that person. I'd love to talk a little bit more about the speaking side, because as you've sure. sort of developed the, you know, who you are, and I always believe that speaking one to many mm. versus one to one is mm. the fastest way to share your method yeah, for people absolutely. to find out about it. If someone's kind of starting a business or in that headspace, but there may be scared to speak in or don't really know the next steps. How did you get into that opportunity of being able to speak one to many? What were some of the things that you did? Actually, my husband took me to an event one day and I was watching this speaker and I think, I thought, well, I could do that. I could really do that. And so I put myself forward to speak at this event the following year. And I did speak and I actually got voted the best speaker. <laughs> Brilliant. But I hadn't actually done it much before. I'd done a little bit. And then I got asked to do a TED talk. And a TED talk is quite interesting because you have to, you can't just go over time. You have to get it. In my case, it was 18 minutes asked me to yeah. open it, but it's usually 15. And no notes. No, we, <laughs> Some people do have notes, oh, really? but I don't like that. They seem yeah. to read them. And so I think I just 
just went out on a limb and thought, let's just do this. And mm. I was very lucky because I loved speaking. Mm. I mean, the first time I ever spoke was years and years ago. My first book came out. I was speaking to a bunch of doctors in Beverly Hills. And I remember I was so nervous. I literally had to have a podium. I held onto that thing for dear life. Did you get paid for that one? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. But I was holding onto this podium. My knees were knocking and I could not leave that podium. I just <laughs> stood behind it. And it was so funny. It's like everything. The more you do it, the easier it is. The easier it is, the more you do it. And now I find speaking easy. Yeah. I can walk under it. In fact, about two years ago, I was speaking at an event. I flew in from LA to Europe and I was really tired. And they said, can you do this speech? Yes. And they said, can you do another one? I said, okay. And they said, can you do a fourth one? I'm like, oh my God, this is like four talks in two days. And I did the fourth. I thought, you know, I don't even care anymore. I'm so tired. I, I'm too tired to prepare it. They're really asking a lot, but I, so I just went out and didn't remember. It was the best speech I ever did. I think because I just, by then I just didn't care. I thought, wow, this is the fourth speech. I haven't even had any sleep. I'm just going to go and do the best I can, but I don't have any time to prepare it. I think as a speaker, you should prepare because mm -hmm. it's just polite to your audience. But it was quite funny that that one I didn't prepare for. And everyone said it was one of the best ones yeah. I ever did. But being a speaker... You can only be good doing what you love. You're never going to be good doing something you hate. I could never be an accountant. My, like my accountant you and me to both. Me, my eyes blaze over. I don't even, I was trying to get medical insurance the other day and they gave me the answer. Oh my God, I don't even, all these columns, I'm looking at them and I'm just going into a, yeah. going into hypnosis because it's just so, con it's not confusing. It's also boring. I mean, there's like 20 columns of what I get. And so clearly that's not my gift at yeah. all. Yeah. You can only be good doing what you love. And, and your job on the planet is to find out what it is you love. Mm. And be amazing at it. So first, find out what you love. What makes your heart sing? How would you find someone could do that? Though? Well, here's a question. You have to ask yourself, what did you love to do between the key age of 5 and 15? Mm. What you love to do, maybe 10 and 14, but what you love to do then is the absolute key to what you're meant to do. So... Jo Malone was always making little perfect, even when she was nine, she was picking petals. One of my clients is a strategist, was, also, was always doing puzzles. I was always writing stories about unhappy people. Really? My daughter was always making clothes for her Sylvanian family. She's out of Kleenex, and now she's got her own clothing line. So if you can go back and remember what you love to yeah. do, Find out what you love. And then the most important way to be an important message to give on stage. I love Johan Hari. And I think his message on depression should be heard by everybody. So I'd say if I was him, I'd go, well, I was depressed. And it's the right thing for me to go out and talk about depression because that's my gift because I've been there. Mm. It's why people who've been alcoholics like Anthony Hopkins can be so helpful to people who also want to stop drinking. So when you found your gift, you have to say, I deserve this to be successful. I'm worthy of that success. I'm ready to do whatever it takes or add in anything that work for you. I'm brave enough to open my own business and I deserve success. I'm worth, my shop deserves to be the best shop. My product, this makeup brand, it deserves to be the very best because 80% of your success will come down to having I'm worth it mindset. Nobody can give you that. Mm. But if you say my product deserves it, I'm worth it, I'm worth it, I'm worth it. While you're doing that, and that is 80% of it, just I'm worth it, I deserve it. Step two is to really think about what you want. What do you want? We say, oh, I want to open a restaurant. What does that look like? Because I don't know. That's a seven day a week, 12 hours a day job. It isn't what you think. You've got to go in and do stock checks and mm. all the staff. And sometimes when you look at what you think, you think, mm, 
actually, you know, I don't want that after all. But if you really still want it, like I could say, when I took a long, hard look at what I wanted. So imagine looking at a screen and going, okay, what do I want? I said, I want to write a book. But if I look at it, I think, oh no, actually, I want to write a best-selling book that changes people's lives. You've got to get real clarity. Mm. And then you look at something else, what does it take to write a best-selling book? Well, writing the book is the easier part. Getting that book to sell requires so much more work than you'll ever do in writing it. And today, if you want to be a writer, then you have to be a speaker because if you can't go into blogs and talk about your book or stand on stage or do book signings. Mm. And so if you want to be a therapist today with all the competition, you have to learn marketing. Mm. So step two is, you know, what you require, what does it require of you? Anything you require require you to learn something new. So again, it goes back to you're here to find out what you're meant to be brilliant at it. So keep looking at what could I learn? What else could I learn? Learn to speak, learn to present understand search engine optimization, understand what I'm selling. When you've done two, here is three. Go out and do the work. So I call JFD, just freaking go out and do it. (laughs) But it's very hard to do step three if you haven't done step one, because step three is I'm going to find an agent. I'm going to ask a gallery to hang my paintings. I'm going to go into a shop and say, would you like to sell this jewelry I make? It's very hard to do. If you haven't done step one, the I'm worth it. But if you have done step one and you have done step two, then you'll find that you can do step three. And many things like the secret don't tell you. The secret is often hard work. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to sit and meditate, go on. It's all going to land into my head. I deserve this and it's here for you. You also have to work hard. It's that combination of I'm worth it. I know what it looks like. And I'm now going to go out and get it. And if you can do all three, and only will success come to you, you will go do it. Mm. But a lot of people do only do the, the second one. Some do the third one. I'm working so hard at this. But that's like a fly working hard to get out of a locked window. Yeah. It's never going to get out with the hard work. You, you've got to also have the belief that there's a way for you. And some of the most successful people we know, you know, Victoria Beckham is an interesting case because... I know she has money, but she slogged along for years and years. And all of a sudden, her makeup brand has taken off. And I love that for her because she did a clothing line, didn't work. People were very disparaging about her, but she never gave up. And a lot of people say, I never get, I just kept going. And all of a sudden, it became my time. And so there are people all over the world making money. I mean, look at Lululemon. They didn't even invent black leggings. They just said, well, there's a product. Why don't we make it way better and monetize it? Yeah. I mean, Joe Wicks in England in um, COVID, yeah. he didn't invent working out, but gosh, he was able to monetize it. You don't have to do anything new. You don't have to be even revolutionary. You have to be evolutionary. Mm. And if you want to sell something, here's what works. Mm. We buy stuff that makes us feel good. Mm. If it makes us feel good, we buy it. If it can lower our pain point, we will buy it. So I bought a Pilates reformer for my house. I could have gone to one every day, but it made me feel really good to get up on there and work out. And I liked going on it first thing in the morning or last thing at night and actually paid for itself very quickly. But what would lessen someone's pain point that you could provide? I mean, makeup's done that. Yeah. You know, people are now makeup is amazing and people make becoming millionaires from makeup tutorials. Who would have thought that you could show someone how to put their eyelashes on? Yeah. I mean, I know Mona Catton very well, who, and they made all their money and support just initially from eyelashes. Yeah. 
And so there's so many things that you can do, but if you have a product that will lessen someone's pain point mm. and make them feel good, you know, maybe that's a takeaway coffee. Maybe it's having an espresso machine in their house. Um, sometimes you lessen it by saying, I'm going to get a restaurant that's really inexpensive, but it might be, oh, there's no expensive restaurant in my area. You know, we now have people delivering clothes to rent. I mean, there's so many things. We have people doing pet shares. Yeah. People, my grandmother would never believe people would pay money for water, would have their pubic hair waxed off. Those things were <laughs> incomprehensible to her. And the rest, yeah. But you've got to think outside the box and think, is there something out there already there? Like Dyson, he didn't invent a vacuum cleaner, mm. but he certainly made the most expensive vacuum, the most expensive um, hairdryer probably in the world. So again, find out what you love and then believe that you were given that talent for a reason. And then how can you be even better? You know, we're so lucky. We can go on YouTube. It's full of tutorials and you can learn how to be better at your craft. How can mm. you perfect your craft? As a therapist, I'm always thinking, how could I be even better? I'm always watching other people, reading books. And then, because if you can perfect your craft, the top 20% in every classification, in every field, are always busy. They're never, un even in COVID, they are never unemployed. So find out what you love, perfect it. And then you got to work on, well, can I monetize this? Mm. And people are monetizing. I mean, people apparently love buying dirty old trainers now for thousands of dollars. I mean, in my generation, it's like, wow. Who would have thought that that's what we do? There's always something new coming along and everyone has a gift. You may not know it, but you do have a gift. And your gift, of course, is what you love. I mean, look at J.K. Rowling. She monetized writing about wizards and she became one of the most successful writers of our generation. She was a single parent she, with nothing. Mm. So, and if you think, Mm, that sounds too good to be true. Go back and look at someone else who's done it. Go and look at someone like Eminem, who was told he would never be able to be a rapper. Oh, yeah. Ed Sheeran was told the same thing. Meryl Streep was told she'd never make it because she wasn't beautiful. So many people who've made it big, not just in the world of movies, but in the world of retail. I mean, look at Sarah Blakely. Yeah. She just had an idea. She couldn't find any underwear that looked right under white jeans. She had an idea, she, and she's never had any partner. She owns that entire business, Spanx, outright. Yeah, such a success story. But there's so many people, you know, we're pulling out a few, but there's people all over the world. Look at that guy that had Trunky, yeah. the little kid's suitcase. There's so many people who just entirely on their own thought, oh, I could create something, or I could find something that's already out there, and I could make it even better. You know, shapewear isn't new. Yeah. But Skims and Spanx have really found a new market for that. That monetization piece. I, Monetize, um, monetize your gift. That's why you're here. And people say, mm. oh, well, surely therapists are spiritual people. Well, that's something I come across mm. quite a lot in the yeah. well-being industry. Oh, yes, they're, of course. They're quite... You should be spiritual. And, and I shouldn't charge a lot. Yeah, and, know. you know, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to, you know, I'll do it for free or this. Mm. And yeah, why is that? <laughs> Well, I think we read the Bible and in the Bible it says the meek will inherit the earth and meek is an Aramaic word for spiritual. So spiritual people are good people who don't care about money. And so then people think, well, I'm taught that spiritual people are good and they don't care about money. So if I want money, I'm going to have to find it in a spiritual way. But I had an interesting happening a couple of years ago. I met someone who was so incredibly wealthy, not spiritual at all, but made so much money. It's almost like, wow, I can never spend this amount of money ever. And he did something interesting. 
He bought swathes of the candidate and rewired it. Rewired it. He, he, is it rewired or rewilded? It's a new word. Okay. What is it? Is it rewilded or rewilded? I'm not sure which one. Anyway, he decided to rewild acres and acres of the English countryside. He oh, introduced wow. bees and butterflies and animals. That oh, rewild. Okay, rewild. Okay, got rewild. You. Yeah. He, I think it's called rewilding, but he did that. I, have, I know someone else did the very same thing in Scotland and introduced foxes back and endangered squirrels. Both of them said, sort of like that song by Blur, you know, that song, House in the Country, whoops, I got a lot of money. Both of them said, oh, I got a lot of money. What can I do? I might as well do something good. So, and I've met other people who said, I made so much money. So I thought, well, I'll, I know someone who's putting computers all over Nigeria, but they are wired into cement posts and kids from the villages can come mm. and they can use these, but they can't be stolen. And so here's the thing, you could make money being spiritual or you could become so wealthy that you do something spiritual with your money. And there are people who do, look at what Oprah Winfrey has done and how they're putting water into villages and putting irrigation in. So if you look at it the other way, okay, what if I did something good with the money after I'd made it? Look at the guy, mm. what's the um, key cutting place in London? Thompson's. Thompson's. Timpsons. Timpsons, yeah. I mean, he fostered about 130 children, he and his wife, because they had the money. They had a massive country house. They had kids riding bicycles oh, up and down that. the corridor, sliding down the banisters. And Timpsons would give people coats. And Tom's, a shoemaker, said, for every shoe yes. you buy, we give one to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Where I used to live in Fulham, there was a coffee chain called Tinto's. And they had a big thing that was saying, if you're hungry, come in. If you want a coffee or some food, We'll give it to you. Never be scared to ask. And then they say to the customers, if you want to in the tip box, leave more. That allows us to feed people who haven't got any money. And that was a lovely spiritual thing to do. But they couldn't do it until they were successful. They didn't mm. start at day one. It was said to me, surely you shouldn't ask for money if you're spiritual. But for me, when I became financially successful, that's when I could film YouTube and Instagram. I could employ a cameraman, an editor, a video guy, and give all this content away. Yeah because I was successful. We put a program into thousands of schools called the Installing a Cheerleader in Small Children. And it's all free. We've never charged. But we've had to make that. It's cost yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars to make that product. But you see, I couldn't have done that until I'd made the money. If I was struggling with an hourly rate and couldn't quite make my mortgage, how could I give all this stuff away? Yeah. So you, rather than saying, should I be spiritual? Here's a better question. Who would benefit from me being wealthy? How many would benefit? How would they benefit? And the more answers you can write down, get a piece of paper and write, that person will benefit. And, but how? How will they benefit? What are you going to do? Who's going to benefit? And the more answers you come with, the more names and reasons, the more your mind is now getting excited. Oh, it's good for you to make money. Because, you know, we talk about dirty money, yeah. filthy rich. Look at that rich bitch. And we say those words, what are we saying? Money is bad, it's disgusting. Those people have sold their soul to the devil. They say, oh, well, these are all the salt of the earth. They're poor and modest, but so good. And we just have to stop believing that. There are plenty of people with money doing really good things with it. Mm. And plenty of people who are not. Yeah. There are also people without money who are good and bad. And so it just isn't true that money makes you a bad person. I think pursuing money at the expense of everything makes you not a great person. Mm. But if you have good values and you always plan, you know, one of my therapists said, I never knew when I trained that I put both my nieces through private school, but that was just the cherry on the cake. I had no idea that this would be a lucrative career for me. And I'm paying for my sister's kids to go to private school because I never had any. 
it. And because she didn't have any, and that was this was a great pain for her. She's now specializing in fertility, which is with great results. Because here's the word unexplained infertility. That's a bit of a clue. It's unexplained because it's up here. If it was I haven't got any eggs or my fallopian tubes are blocked, that would be explained infertility. But when Mm. it's unexplained, it means everything is perfect in there, but we don't know what's going on. Must Mm. be something in here. It often is. We could go into a whole other episode into that as well. I love it. I would really love to ask so many questions. I'm conscious of, of, of time as well. Maybe as a, a sort of a, a parting note, thank you so much for everything that you, you've shared today. What's the plans for you now you're in a new city and, and what are you going to do while you're here? Well, we're putting RTT into the school system here. We've had so many schools. We have a couple of things. We have a five-day challenge for children that grows their self-esteem. Oh. And I didn't know at the time when I was raising my own daughter or when I was at school, but I know now that the job of a school and the job of a parent is to raise kids with high self-esteem. But now I do know that, and I see so many of my clients, if only they'd had that, they wouldn't have turned, they wouldn't have become drug addicts or alcoholics or self-harmers. They wouldn't have become critical or have explosive tempers because self-esteem is vital. And so now I know that is such a joy for me that I'm able to create a program. So we've got one that raises kids' self-esteem, one that's worked with bullies and bullied children to stop that, and one that works with children's immune systems mm-hmm. so they don't live in fear of yeah, COVID. Amazing. And so we're putting those into schools. And it was the fact that in the Gulf, I mean, I've got it in a lot of schools in America, Europe, yeah. and the UK, but here, everybody wanted, well, this is good. We should bring this here. Yeah. And we've been asked to do a lot of work here in the hospitals, in the school system, yeah. in companies. And so it's been very exciting. I think Dubai is a great land of opportunity. And I think mental health is a big buzzword here now. Mm. So we were very lucky that we thought, oh, wow, if it's so big here, we should, we should come and see what we can give to them. I love it. I mean, I've been here over 20 years and it's mm. definitely home. And there's mm. just something about the city and the UAE, you know, in general, mm. that there is this energy that's yeah. kind of hard to explain. Mm. And the opportunities that can bring yeah. people and... And also because most people here are expats. It's a very friendly place. But I think people realize how friendly everyone is and how much there is going on. Yeah, it's always all, oh, we've all been in that position before. So Mm. we'd like to introduce you and who can you speak to and how can you help? And everyone's been there. And everyone thinks this is a place of bling bling, but we live in a little nature reserve with birds and waterfalls. And you can can be in the bling bling if you want to, but there's a whole other side to do. Absolutely. I recently went to actor Rasal KM. And I'm going out to, oh gosh, what's supposed to be beginning with there? Fajera. Yeah, which apparently has got wadis Very different, and yeah. mountains and lakes. So it is, it is a country of high-rise and Armani hotels and coffees that cost $100 with gold leaf on them. But you can never see that stuff if you don't want to. I agree. Thank you so much for your time. Just before you go, I have some random questions that I always ask guests at the end. So just a couple. So the most unexpected compliment you've ever received. Okay, if I can say this. So someone, my teacher said to me once, you've got balls. And I love that. Because he, he said to me, um, you've changed the face of him. You've made it something greater than it ever was. And you have a natural genius. The theory is you also, you've got balls. And I love that. Oh, that, that was is an fabulous. too when you said that. So I thought that was very nice. Yeah. Okay, let's do one more. What have we got here? I spend too much time 
dot 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 on social media really definitely. back to what that came into the earlier question yeah, definitely um okay this one i really like last one if i could whisper something in the ear of my younger self it would be you're enough just the way you are and you always have been mm. and you was invited to whisper that to everyone else's ear too because you might see all my bracelets say i'm enough and we created the i'm enough movements so if everybody knew they were enough and they would always would be enough that would change the world in its own way Thank you so much for being part of the Kelly Lumber podcast. Mm. That one about boards, you want me to change that to something? No, not at all. No, no, it's like perfect. Maybe in Dubai they don't like that because I thought of another one. Only if you want to. Yeah. Okay. You read it to me again. Um, so what was the best compliment you've ever received? You know, every client I see them when they leave, they go, I hope I never have to see you again. <laughs> I'll never see you again because they know they won't, don't need to come back. And that is a great compliment. I know I'll never see you again. Yeah. Although one client did say to me once, this is the best money I've ever spent. I would have given you five times the fee. And that was a lovely compliment too. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Having heard you on so many other podcasts, thank you for being on mine. Yeah, and your questions were so different, which was good. Thank oh, you. Awesome. Thank you to Travel Counselors for this episode. If you're inspired to start a business like many of the guests that you hear on the podcast and the thought of planning a dream bucket list holiday lights you up, check out the details in the show notes. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.